1: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord, our King, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate Word. Grant that this light, enkindled in our hearts, may shine forth in our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our reading for this first Sunday of Christmas is from Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these put on love, The gifting day has come and gone. And one point is again clear. Gift giving becomes very stressful for many people. A recent comedy show on television gave a good illustration. The young lady in the apartment across the hall from her friends got presents for them. One of the guys was greatly distressed as he cited the implicit reciprocity rule of gift giving. That is, He now felt under pressure to get her a gift, and it had to be at least equal in value and something that might last as long as what she gave to him. He was beside himself about it. In our text for this Sunday after Christmas, St. Paul gives us a helpful suggestion for giving a gift that's just sure to be lasting. Actually, Paul's words from the Lord are more than helpful— And they're more than a suggestion. The Apostle tells us to give love as a gift. Quite to the contrary of giving, receiving gifts is easy, or it should be. Simply to receive the love, care, mercy, and compassion of people in the form of a gift is often less stressful and more enjoyable than giving, or at least it should be. Stress is gone and the joy of receiving is paramount. Surprisingly, maybe, the ease of receiving tends to be the opposite of what we hear during the holiday season. Many have said, it's better to give than to receive. I'm not so sure that statement is accurate when we look at it from a theological perspective. Now, One reason people may believe that giving is better than receiving stems from the focus area of the statement. When saying that giving is better than receiving, a person is more focused on looking at himself or herself as the centerpiece rather than on the one who is to receive. The world would encourage this behavior and deny the importance of what receiving is all about. The gift of forgiveness and salvation is a free gift, one that comes with no strings attached, The gift is one we receive from Jesus without any merit or worthiness in us. The love of the Savior is an unmatched and tremendous blessing. Therefore, the idea that receiving is far more important than giving comes to us directly in the form of the Son of God, on the cross, the sin-bearer of the world. Put in proper context, Our receiving of this gift is a continuation of the promises of the Old Testament where the Lord declares that He will send us a Savior, His Son. Not only is it very enjoyable and surely commanded, but I'm certain that receiving forgiveness is the place where we build the foundational principles of our text for today. We hear clearly in verse 12 of our text that we are God's chosen ones. Called by him and set apart by him for the purpose of doing his will. As God's chosen ones, Paul says, we are God's people, and he has extended his hand to us and marked us. The text continues, telling us that we are beloved and holy people of God. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This is no small declaration for the faithful children of Christ. As his chosen and set-apart ones, we are not alone and living for ourselves. We are his, chosen and called to share his love and compassion. Again, verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. St. Jerome was a church father who translated the Greek manuscripts and put the Bible in the language of the people. He purposefully lived in Bethlehem where Jesus was born. One night, legend has it, while living in Bethlehem, Jerome had a dream that Jesus visited him. The dream was so real to him that he collected all his money and offered it to Jesus as a gift. The Lord said, I don't want your money. So Jerome rounded up all his possessions and tried to give them to Jesus. Again, the Lord said, I don't want your possessions. Jerome then recalled the moment in his dream when he turned to Christ and asked, What can I give you? What do you want? Jesus simply replied, Give me your sin. That's what I came for. I came to take away your sin. Give me your sin. Our epistle text now reminds us that we should forgive one another in Christian love. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive times, we are not willing to forgive those who've hurt us because it seems to empower us as we withhold forgiveness. The apostle encourages us to see and know that our ability to forgive comes from the reality that we are first forgiven by Christ in our own lives. Thus, we can forgive others. This is a beautiful reality in which we live as children of the Heavenly Father. Immediately following this encouragement about forgiving, we're told to put on love. Verse 14, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love is what binds all things together in the life of the Christian. In a confirmation class some years ago, one of the students asked, How do we put on love? The question for the Christian It is a beautiful picture of God's love and mercy. God the Father has showered us with His love. His love comes to us in the form of His Son, in the manger, in His spotless life, in His ministry to the sick and the lost, in His death on the cross, and in His resurrection from the grave. We know this reality through the Word of God as it reminds us in many places and in many ways of the love in our lives, which is Christ. For all Christians, the love of Christ is poured out in holy baptism, where you are robed in love. Therefore, putting on love is a reality of our relationship to Christ as His chosen people. Like many aspects of our relationship to Christ, we must not reject the ability which God has given us to love. Our epistle lesson reminds us strongly that the Word of God dwells in us. Again, hear this From Paul, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We remain hopeful and joyful at this reality. It is through that very word that we are encouraged and strengthened to be able to meet the tasks before us with confidence and joy. As we put on love to share forgiveness and mercy, as we provide the gift of forgiveness to those who have hurt us and trespassed against us, we can take encouragement and nourishment from the word of God as it reminds us and empowers us in our lives in Christ. We give freely the gift of forgiveness as it has been freely given to us by Christ our Lord and risen living Savior. So beloved, with joy, receive what is yours as a gift. Receive it with joy and thankfulness, knowing that you are forgiven freely, without price and without worthiness or merit on your part. Pure gift. Amen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let us pray. God in Trinity, eternal unity of perfect love, gather the nations to be one family and draw us into your holy life through the birth of Emmanuel, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.